0: hello and welcome to the modern adventurer podcast where explorers and adventurers tell their stories coming up
1: the first day of hiking it was like a 1400 meter climb It was like a 12 mile hike and as i was going up i was just getting more and more tired and um and then as i started to go downhill like like, because when you're going up you can sort of power through but when i went started to go downhill my legs were so tired i nearly fell over and buckled under the weight because my legs were so weak and i was like right this ain't working and um and i started getting really angry myself and annoyed and upset going oh you know it's your first trip away in 18 months and you've fucked it up like you know and
0: i'm john horsfall and on this weekly podcast we talk to adventurers and explorers from around the world who have made remarkable and daring journeys in recent years from everest climbers to polar explorers world record holders and many more I hope this podcast sparks ideas and inspires you to explore and go on your own grand adventure. My next guest is a travel YouTuber with a huge array of stories to tell. He has covered all sorts of places from his big trip, from Hong Kong to New York. We talk about some of those incredible experiences he's had and how that sort of transformed his YouTube into where it is now. Today, he gets to travel all over the world with some incredible companies and telling the most fantastic stories through his filmmaking. So I am delighted to introduce Carl Watson to the podcast. Cheers, John. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. I mean, you've done some remarkable stuff over the last sort of 10 years, recording your adventures wherever, wherever you go in the world. And what I absolutely love about your story is the sort of beginnings of it and that sort of leap of faith that you did from your Hong Kong to New York trip. For everyone listening, probably the best place to start is at the beginning.
1: Yeah, um, so this Hong Kong to New York trip I did in 2013. Um, I'd been backpacking before uh, when I was 22, but I didn't film it because I didn't have a camera or anything like that, but then I started making videos of my trips um just little trips away just for fun because i work in video as a video editor in london and all the stuff i was doing professionally was unbelievably dull so i was like well if i film my trips i have something more fun and creative to edit and so i started doing more and more of those and then i had this idea it's like right i want to go traveling again but i want it to be the biggest trip possible i don't want to work a single day like i've done the work holiday visa before and i want to film it all and just cut it as if we've been commissioned to do a tv series even though we hadn't but just film it and, you know, see what happens with it. I didn't have high ambitions for how many people would watch it or anything like that. I just thought it'd be a fun souvenir and hopefully the people we met on the trip would enjoy it. Um, uh, but it was just just an idea, just a creative experiment. And so, yeah, me and my buddy James spent three years saving up to do this trip from Hong Kong to New York, as the title suggests. It um, doesn't even suggest, it tells you exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he got, we went through 20 countries and four continents in nine months and um, yeah, James who I went with is my best friend and he'd never been traveling before. And, uh, and he was like, what do I need to do? I said, I'll plan it all. I'll organize everything just in exchange. You have to put up with me filming for nine months. And he was like, all right, deal. Um, and then in the build-up, sort of saving up for the trip, um, I sort of put the trip, we're gonna do it 2012. And then I got a new job that kind of completely sort of my life and career out, which had been a bit of a rocky ride. And I said, look, I need to do two years at this job. So we have to do the trip 2013. And he went, that's fine. The only thing that will stop me doing it is if I get a girlfriend and fall in love. Guess what happened? Um, So so when I actually booked the ticket for the trip, it was going to be a solo trip. It's just going to be me by myself. And then, and that would have been May 2012. And it was going to set off in February 2013. And then August 2012, uh, day after James's birthday, he rang me up sort of going, hey Carl, how are you? And I was like, oh god, what's happened? Because he only asks how I am if something bad has happened to him. Him and his girlfriend had broken up, and he was like oh, is it still too late to come on the trip? And I was like, no, if you've got the money, and basically all the money he was saving for the trip, he was then saving for a house with his girlfriend, so he had all the money saved up, and in like the space of two days, we got him booked on the trip super easy, and he uh, came on a trip that kind of, well, changed both our lives it changed his life, opened his I used to traveling, he's done tons of traveling since then and it changed my life because it was just more eye-opening Like on top of the traveling I'd done before but also this experiment of a video, once we eventually cut it it went online and it, well, it didn't just take off straight away but gradually just sort of snowballed and it's now got like 2.5 million views or something when you put all the episodes together so it's sort of and it's led to me, the YouTube taking off doing travel films professionally as well as like personally still from YouTube and Um, yeah it turned out right basically.
0: I suppose back in um, what 2012 2013 that was sort of the early days of YouTube really and people uploading like more personal stuff.
1: Yeah yeah and it was very I often get people ask me sort of going oh um, nowadays they'll ask me what made you decide to do documentaries instead of vlogs I was like well you've got the chronology the wrong way around I was making the documentaries before vlogs really existed I was inspired by TV documentaries like the Long Way Round uh, and Long Way Down with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman. But he sort of motorbiked all the way around the world. And I loved their films because they were very honest about the experience and you hit play and you felt like you're on the trip with them. So I was just copying that. I didn't even know what vlogs were or anything. I didn't really know what a YouTube channel was either. I just, it was just YouTube was just a uh, website I could upload the video onto so I could share the link to people. So when I first got a notification saying, oh, someone subscribed to your channel, I was like, right, two questions what's a subscriber and what's a channel, you know? <laughs> I had no idea and it just, but it just gradually took off. Um, and yeah, there was no other content out there really like it at the time. Um, so most videos of people backpacking would just be a GoPro montage or something. And so to have a, a video which was kind of hopefully honest about the experience and, um, and kind of more TV style, even though it was shot on a home video camera, but certainly in terms of editing style, Um, there wasn't, it wasn't a crowded field for that. So just, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons it took off.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, we were sort of discussing earlier about how, because you had, uh, your friend, what was his name? Uh, James. James going along with you, you could almost banter back and forth. You also had the experience. So there was sort of a lot of elements to the sort of documentary filmmaking. Whereas, as we sort of said, when it comes to vlogs has to be like quite an interesting sort of story to sort of captivate people throughout the whole experience really. Yeah and um, if you're traveling with someone it just you've got two people's perspectives
1: on a situation and if one day you're feeling a bit tired then maybe the other person can lift the video up by being excited and vice versa whilst if you're you know, I've done, I've filmed solo trips since then. And, you know, if you're tired, it's like, well, the video's going to be shit for that day because you're just going to be like, hey, I'm here. And, uh, you know, um, and people think you're ungrateful to be there. It's like, no, I'm just tired and possibly hungover or something. But uh, And it was great. People, I think people who watched the Hong Kong to New York series really identified with James' story a lot because he was the first time traveler whilst I'd done traveling before. So you saw a much bigger change in him across 11 episodes than you did necessarily with me because I'd, you know, I'd sort of already found myself, if you'd like, if you want to use the cliche kind of thing. Um uh, Whilst, like, you know, he looks so different at the end than he does at the start and he was a different person in some ways by the end. So, yeah. And it was a nine-month trip. Nine-month trip, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so nine months of filming um, <laughs> and uh, it became 11 episodes, sort of half an hour to 45 minutes long each. Um And... uh I took about well, it took about a year to edit, but I was doing it around a full time job, so it wasn't like I was editing 24-7.
0: Um I was gonna say that's a lot of content to uh dissect really.
1: Yeah, and you have to just be organized with your footage, especially once you get it in the editing program, because I get off people often ask me, well, oh, how the hell do you edit nine months of footage? It's not like you put it all on one long timeline and just start trying to sort it out. You sort of um, use folders and metadata to organize it by like country, location, activity. Just break it all down to these small little moments and then just start building it back up again and just, you know, get that first place working, then the next place and you just start building up. So um, you don't sort of think, right, I have to edit a nine-month film. You sort of think, right, I'm just going to edit that day and then you go from there.
0: Nice. And so when, um, when you came back from that trip, because for people listening, it was new York, Hong Kong to New York, but it was a very long winded way round. Um, <laughs> wasn't just like, oh, that, that, that doesn't take any time at all. So for, for people listening who are unfamiliar with that trip, what, what was the sort of route that you were taking? So we went from Hong Kong, sort of popped into
1: China, and then we went down through sort of the classic Southeast Asia countries like Vietnam, um, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, into Malaysia, Singapore and Bali. Then we went to Australia for a few weeks, went to the outback and East Coast, um, then went to New Zealand um, and then landed in Chile, went through South America to Argentina, Brazil, and then stopped in Peru for a couple of weeks. Then Central America, went to Panama, Costa Rica, and Nicaragua, and then we flew to LA and hired a car and drove to New York for the last leg. Um, so, yeah.
0: Wow. And what were the sort of highlights from that sort of, I mean, how can you really sort of give <laughs> nine months down to? <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's, there's so many different highlights. It's sort of, and you enjoy different places for different reasons as well. Like yeah. once we, like Hong Kong just felt like an easy way into the trip. Cause it's, you know, it's quite a Westernized place. Um, uh, but when we landed in China, it was like the big culture shock of like, oh, God, what are we actually doing? Like, <laughs> um, felt like properly jumped in the deep end. So that was scary and intimidating. But you look back at it going, oh, that was great, because it's just like, right, we're in the adventure now. Um, and then there's other stuff where it's like we're in the outback in Australia and doing this tour. And the outback could very, very easily be dull, because there's a whole lot of nothing you've got to drive between. But we had an amazing guide, an amazing group, And he knew all the cool spots to go to and stuff. And so, um, on the stretches in between the cool places, whether it's a waterfall or a national park or whatever, he would make the trip fun. He would teach you stuff, get you playing games and things like that. So, things like that, the Inga Trail in Peru, um, you know, our guide was, again, uh, incredible for that and really made everyone, you know, at the start of the trek, he said, Oh, I'm going to make you all, I'm not going to call you gringos or, friends or tourists, I'm going to call you a family because we're going to be a family. And at the start of it, you kind of, the cynical side of you is going, okay, sure. But then by the end, you got the whole group so tight. And on the penultimate night before we got to Machu Picchu, like everyone was sharing all these like personal stories from their life and people were crying and I was like, oh shit, he did it. So um, (laughs) um, so there's so, so many great moments. Um, But that's, that's the great thing when you go away for nine months. or when you go away for any period of time traveling, it feels a lot longer than nine months or even two weeks if you go away for that. Or even a weekend, it feels longer than if you just stayed at home doing nothing because you're filling it up with so many different experiences that it just, you know, rather than when you're at home working nine to five and it all blurs into one, it sort of, it feels way longer. So it, it felt like we would always been away for nine years rather than nine months when we got back.
0: And so when you got back, did that sort of bu- travel bug was or were the sort of realities of... Day to day life sort of set in, and then, or was it the idea always to sort of set up a sort of travel documentary channel? And it
1: was no, it was never, there was never sort of a grand scheme. I knew I was going to get back and work full time for a year, um, just to land on my feet, and then I was going to move to being a freelance video editor rather than um, having a full time job as a video editor because working freelance. Um, you get paid more have more flexibility work for a more variety of clients and also if the work's coming in I can take any time off I want and then travel more and and the idea for that was just oh I can do more traveling um, just to have more experiences and then also make some cool videos but I wasn't thinking of be an audience for it yet because I was still even when I had this plan I hadn't actually released the Hong Kong to New York series yet so I didn't know there was even an audience there it was just to sort of go freelance, have a better career and also get to do more traveling. And then fortunately, the audience just um, grew for the trips. And um, and so gradually sort of my professional and hobby is sort of starting to merge in the middle.
0: And I suppose after that, you, as I say, you sort of had the travel bug and your sort of documentaries have taken you all sorts of places where you filmed it in such an amazing way that sort of captivates the audience what's the sort of trips that sort of stand out for you again it's it, they all stand
1: out in different ways it's almost like the cliched parent going i can't pick my favorite child or something like that <laughs> but I've... it's always the youngest yeah, <laughs> it's true because i'm the youngest so it's definitely it's definitely true um uh japan with japan's one always sticks out because that place was just so much fun like um so much to do the people are so friendly the food's incredible but it was just It's just fun and everyone's so happy and like, um, probably had a violin in my head when I was leaving that one uh, when I had to go home. Um, And then I did another one um, in 2019 in September, I did my first, sort of hosted my first tour. Um, I sort of been working with Intrepid Travel to create these bespoke tours um, where I basically look at their itineraries and customize it for how I'd want it, then put it on sale to people who follow my channel. And then we all go have an adventure together. And we still have a local guide for the country. Um, and I, I know I just make my video as always. And the Morocco tour, it was the first one we'd done. So a lot of the people who sign up for it were people who are already new. Like there's a few people who I'd never met before just followed the channel. But I had a whole mixture of like people I've known since I was a kid. James was there. Um, other friends I've met on other trips. People I've met off the back of the YouTube channel who also have YouTube channels. And so... It was the whole thing felt like, you know, when you have like a, it's your birthday and you've got all different groups of friends hanging together and it's kind of surreal going, Oh, that person's chatting to that. It was like that, but for two weeks in Morocco. So it was just um, very, very surreal, but we all had an amazing time. We had an incredible guide, Hamid. So it was just, um, it was quite, quite overwhelming actually. I was just some moments I was just sitting there going, I can't believe, you know, we're sitting there watching the sunset in Sahara and I've got all these people around me um, and it's all happened off the back of the youtube channel it's just like how did this happen <laughs> you know
0: it's quite yeah quite overwhelming and with that um in- uh what's it called intrepid travel that's sort of morocco and you've got another big one coming up at the end of this year um yeah we've got a
1: few coming up so i've actually got iceland coming up um a week friday um yeah so it's, it's gonna be great i think. I was fortunate enough to go away this summer, but I think for most people, it's going to be their first trip away since before the pandemic. So I think everyone's going to be bursting with excitement um, and won't mind the fact that they're going to have to pay probably £10 for a beer in Iceland <laughs> because they'll just be excited to be away. We've got that one, and then we've got a whole bunch lined up for next year. Just hopefully they can all happen. Um, but we've got Thailand, January, Borneo in April, which was supposed to happen in 2020. has been put back two years then Turkey in June, and then we're going to Pakistan in September 22, um, which is going to be incredible because everyone, I've never been there, but most of these countries I've never been to um, apart from Thailand, but everyone I know who's been to Pakistan so it's one of their favorite places in the world. Like the scenery's insane. It's the nicest people you'll ever met meet. Um, so I really, really can't wait to uh, experience it, not just for like, the natural beauty, but also it's a country that has like a, sort of a negative reputation uh and so it'll be fun just sort of showing like no no don't worry see it's, it's fine you know so um so that one's gonna be really
0: cool yeah we had ava zubek on recently or back in may not that recent um <laughs> we've all lost our and- whole concept of time right now so- <laughs> <laughs> and uh we spoke in depth about pakistan and the sort of amazing as you say with the slightly negative press that comes its way just the amazing people and the amazing scenery that that's there and just how incredibly hospitable uh, the people of Pakistan are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, f- I mean I first heard about it when I was in not obviously first heard of the country but how great it was. I was backpacking in India in 2016 and uh, I was at one hostel and there's like an older couple I was chatting to and they said oh they went to Pakistan, like ten years ago, and because uh, we were talking about how in India, like there's a mixture of like some of the friendliest people you ever meet, but there's also people, especially at the touristy places, just constantly hassling you, trying to sell you stuff, which gets very tiresome. And they went, well, if you go to Pakistan, you don't get any of that. They sort of treat you more like you're right, like, you're a guest in our country. We're gonna, you know, treat you as a guest and uh, sort of almost roll out the red carpet for you, kind of thing. So um, yeah, I can't wait to see what it's like.
0: And yeah, I have to admit, I am yet to go on a plane uh, since the uh, start of the pandemic. So I imagine for everyone who's going traveling in the next couple of months or this year are absolutely buzzing to go. (laughs) Yeah, and it's kind of
1: surreal. I was away this summer. I went to Switzerland, Italy and Croatia and just it took like a couple of days just to... Like actually thinking that I was actually there, you sort of sitting there looking at the mountains, going like, "Am I actually here?" Like you know, um, just been stuck in my own living room for so long to sort of actually finally be away. You know, it took a it took a few days to properly sort of settle in and sort of rather than just sort of being in a, a state of disbelief.
0: And that trip to Switzerland, because uh, you had a little bit of a hiccup there.
1: Yeah, um, basically, my plan was to hike from Grindelwald to Zermatt, which is like about 100 miles over 10 days. And Switzerland's a place I've sort of been to ever since I was a kid. Like we used to go all the time as a family and I've still gone a lot as an adult. So I was, and I've hiked there ever since I was a kid. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna have to carry a bit more weight, Um, but I know these mountains inside out and it's gonna be fine. But then actually once, and I even tried practicing carrying my backpack and going on on hikes near where I live with all my laptop and equipment in and just some clothes, but I didn't sort of, did the proper calculation of like actually when you get all the rest of your clothes and you actually pack them in, it ends up being a few kilograms more. And, and it was just, um, the first day of hiking, it was like a 1400 meter climb. It was like a 12 mile hike. And as I was going up here, I was just getting more and more tired. And, um, and then, as I started to go downhill, like, because like, when you're going up, you can sort of power through, but when I went, started to go downhill, my legs were so tired, I nearly fell over and buckled under the weight, because my legs were so weak. And I was like, right, this ain't working. And um, and I started getting really angry myself, and annoyed, and upset, going, oh, you know, it's your first trip away in 18 months, and you've fucked it up, like, you know, And and I was like, oh, but... And luckily, my mum was there at the start because she was in, holiday in on holiday in Switzerland at the same time. She wasn't going to do the whole trek, um, but she was doing that day with me or part of that day with me. And um, and she could sort of uh, just talk some sense into me. I was like, oh, well, I have to do this. And she went, why? You don't have to do anything. You can. There's a train right there. You can turn around right now. And then I was like, well, I want to do this. And then she's like, well, what do you actually want out of the trip? And I all I wanted was just sort of... Um, just to get away from everything and just relax in the mountains and just go on enjoyable hikes and not have to worry about anyone, not have to worry about myself because I know the place so well. And and that first day, I realized I wasn't doing that. I was actually freaking out. I was like, well, I don't want to be freaking out. And also, at the end of the day, I got to this town, Vengen, which um, I know very well, and got to like my favorite viewpoint for sunset. And I was so exhausted. Rather than sitting there going like, wow, I was sitting there going, meh. 'Cause I was just I was just so tired. I was like, well, this is wrong. You shouldn't be, you know, I want to be sitting here in awe and I want to be enjoying every moment. And so then um, I thought, well, why don't I just um, sort of get the train to the main towns of the trek and just do day hikes and still cover most of the same ground, still see everything I want to see, but not have to carry all my stuff during the day, so I won't be as tired and I'll be able to enjoy it more. And as soon as I sort of made that decision, like, right, that's what I'm going to do. um, It felt, I mean, I guess it was literally a weight off my shoulders, but figuratively just suddenly it's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, you know, you've made the right decision because it feels like the right decision. And from then on in, I just loved every second of the trip. So it was hundred percent the right choice. I mean, the weather helped me make the choice as well because of like a big, I had coming up two days of like the highest, most remote passes of the trek and it was scheduled for thunderstorms and it was just like you know hiking by yourself over mountains and thunderstorms is not brave it's just stupid and so um i sort of when i was filming the trip um, which i'm editing right now and i'll sort of explaining to cameron my, my decision making it's like i was like yeah i don't want to just i want it to be a challenge but a, a fun challenge not no like, not like let's go die in the mountains you know and i I don't want to be remembered as the dumb YouTuber who died on the mountains just trying to make a video. I was like, this way I'll just be remembered as a
0: dumb YouTuber and that's fine. <laughs> Cause I'll still be alive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's important, especially when people, people listening, sort of taking on these trips, is the why of your of what you're doing. Yeah. And sometimes people sort of feel like they need to really suffer or really push themselves. Yeah. in order to get something out of it. But sometimes if your why is that you just want to switch off yeah. going, and as you say, taking the train so that you have those moments to really appreciate, you know, the beauty of the Swiss mountains. Yeah. Whereas if you, as you say, you are too tired to even appreciate just those, those small moments, yeah. then um, you're definitely making the wrong, you know, decision in your thinking.
1: Yeah, and I've done trips before that have been physical challenges or mental challenges, but I, that's what I signed up for, so I was happy to take But actually, um, what I wanted from this trip was just, because I know the country so well, I just like, you know, I want it to be a relaxing trip. Even though for some people, hiking isn't relaxing, but they think of that as sitting on the beach. But for me, it's relaxing because you just haven't got a care in the world. Um, and suddenly, and I wasn't relaxed, and so it's just... Um, so it's just if you're ever doing a trip and you're not enjoying it, you just have to take a moment to sort of first take a deep breath, chill, and then sort of think, right, what do I actually want out of this trip? And then is what I'm currently doing, let me achieve that? Or do I just need to adjust the plan slightly? And it's fine. You don't, you don't owe anything to anyone other than yourself. So if you want to change the plans, it's fine. And then as the soon as you do it, you'll probably feel a little better as well.
0: Yeah, I remember what was it, having Geordie Stewart on, and he cycled around the world, Bloody and he, we were talking about how like you you build it up in your head that everyone back home will be like so disappointed or something, but at the end of the day, when doing these trips, unless you're breaking a world record or you know painting yourself or yeah, no one really cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's true, and
1: it's like. Um, I think by having the YouTube channel and stuff like that you almost feel like a responsibility to, to do it. Um I think I was putting pressure on myself like, cuz I announced, "Hey everyone, I'm in Switzerland. I'm going to do this huge hike." And then 2 days later I was like, "Yeah, no I'm not, you know." Um, <laughs> but but in between that, I was sort of thinking, "Well, I've said I was going to do this huge thing and now I'm not doing it." And then and then I was just like, "Well, fuck him. So what?" And and the nice thing was when I posted it and sort of um, you know, cause sometimes online you get like trolls and idiots and stuff like that. I mean, most of it's positive, but, um, when I actually posted saying I've changed my plans, everyone commented just saying, yeah, sounds like you made the perfect decision and well done for listening to your gut. And so it was actually, it was actually nice that everyone got your reasoning and people shared similar stories going, oh yeah, I was doing this track once and realized I'd taken on too much and stuff like that. So that was actually really encouraging that everyone, everyone got it and understood, um, the only thing now is is uh, editing the video because it's going to be a completely different video than originally planned. Like, I can't put a video online saying 100 mile trek from Grindelwald to Zermatt and give up after day one because people just press stop going, this is rubbish. So the video is just going to be Grindelwald How to Zermatt. How I messed up. Yeah, well it's just it's going to be just like Grindelwald to Zermatt. And I'm just going to say at the start, I originally planned to trek it, but ended mm-hmm. up just doing this. So they know you're going to change your mind. And then all I'm doing now is just, when I do change my mind, explain the reasoning, but not, dwell on it too long like you don't need the violins out and stuff like that because it's just going to be a a fun travel video rather than like one man's personal struggle and if they already know you're going to change their mind they don't need to hear you moaning about it because they just want to see a fun video rather than you just feeling sorry for yourself (laughs) so so it's going to be I'm I'm editing that bit right now and getting the tone just right to sort of explain your reasoning but not dwell on it too long because people expect like your subscribers might be want to hear everything you've got to say but most people who watch the video won't have subscribed to your channel. It might be the first video they've ever seen, and they just want to see you enjoying Switzerland. They don't want to hear you sitting there on a hotel bang- balcony going through this mental struggle. They're like, "Oh, just shut up moaning, mate. Go enjoy Switzerland." So,
0: uh,
1: so it's gonna be a fun challenge to edit to get it just right.
0: But I, I think also it's it's interesting for people to sort of see that because you know, as you say, when you sort of just go off and go, "Hey, I'm doing this big trip," everyone probably in their heads just saying oh well it's probably quite easy it's you know simple to do and then suddenly to be like after two days be like oh damn I didn't quite get this right Uh, this is why things didn't work out Um, so if you plan on doing this trip then maybe think about doing that or this but for me it's about the enjoyment and I'm not getting any so I need to move on (laughs)
1: yeah yeah It's, It's for me it's always about just enjoying it and whether if you are doing a trip that's physically challenging or or culturally challenging whatever, but if you've gone there to do that, then you'll enjoy the challenge but <clears throat> I wasn't doing that trip for a challenge; I just thought it would be easy than it would be, and I sort of didn't take into consideration sort of the accumulated exhaustion from carrying that weight. you know it's sort of all right for half an hour, but then going up a mountain and then going higher and higher, and you just get more and more tired and then um uh, sort of just yeah it's just a miscalculation but then you have to go like oh right i messed up switch the plans then get on with it and enjoy yourself
0: have you taken any on more of these sort of challenges before
1: um i mean i've done other plenty of other treks before like i've done the everest base camp trek um we trekked to Roraima mountain in venezuela um we're lucky to get there just before venezuela really went uh really went downhill um and for those yeah i mean they were They were that, but for that, we'd signed up for an adventure, like especially the Rarama trek. It was like six days of trekking, like three of the days you're on top of the mountain exploring rounds. But you know, we're sort of sleeping in tents. You know, you're carrying all your camping equipment and sleeping in tents, and your mattress was like as thin as a bit of paper, and you're sleeping on dried up mud. It's like sleeping on concrete, and so you couldn't get any sleep. they didn't have much food for us to eat because the country was going through supply problems which has just gone way worse since then. And um, So it was a bit of a struggle And um, but then you get on top of the, the River Rainbow Mountain they call it the Lost World because it's just like such unique landscape up there and plants and wildlife you don't get anywhere else in the world. Um, if you've seen the Pixar film Up it's basically they based where they go to and that was based on that mountain um, and it was just it was, it was incredible it was like one of those Best travel travel experiences we've ever had, um, but it was a challenge. It was a struggle. There's part of you watched you on it going, "Oh, I can't wait to get back and just you know have some comfort and stuff." But then you have to go like, "No, no, enjoy it whilst you're here. You'll be back before you know it." Um, um, I had another one. We did the on the same trip early in the trip. We were, we trekked to the Lost City in Colombia, um, which is kind of like they're sort of similar to Machu Picchu, but the only way to get there is a trek. You can't um, get a bus up to it. And the trek there was amazing through the jungle, but then just as we got there, we sort of did the tour of the city in the morning, and by the time we finished the tour, um, food poisoning had kicked in for me. And so basically, and the trek up was like two days through this hot, sweaty jungle. Jungle, You're like a human fountain of sweat. It was just um, so hot and so tiring. And it's like, right, that really hard trek you've done, now do it with food poisoning where you've got no energy and stuff. And so that felt like the longest two days ever and it was just like you literally have to just get yourself in a frame of mind going put one foot in front of the other and then before you yeah. know it before you know it
0: you'll be on a podcast chatting about it <laughs> you know, in a few years time so yeah yeah uh, trying to sort of do anything with food poisoning is a massive struggle um and yeah i remember having to sort of try and get sort of 20 odd miles with food poisoning day after day and as it's, it's just awful. And as you say, all you want to do is literally cull up in a ball and, and hide, yeah, away. hide away yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. It, it, when you pretty much have to force yourself. This is what I find very interesting, especially on the sort of mental. The mental side is that if today or tomorrow we got food poisoning, we'd probably stay in bed, chill out, you know, rest up, whereas, but when you're on these sort of treks, you literally have to force yourself to sort of walk. Ridiculous amount, whether it's 20, 15, 10 miles. Yeah. And you can easily do it. But if, you, as you say, if tomorrow you just sort of woke up and said, oh, no way, I can't even get out of bed. I can't even get to my front door. I'm out. Yeah. yeah but the sort yeah. of mental side of it is just sort of pushing through. Yeah. And I've had,
1: I mean, one of the time I had to really push through an experience, this wasn't luckily enough food poisoning for this. Um, but I was doing this press trip in Catalonia in Spain and the idea was they were going to keep everything a surprise for me so I didn't know what I was doing each day which sounds great on paper but it's very counterproductive when you're filming the whole trip yourself because you don't know what kit to bring for each thing and then and so they took me to like some wineries for lunch and then in the afternoon they went right you're doing a via ferrata and so I was like what and then, um, and then the guide we had—it was like two hours climbing up this rock face mountain. And via ferratas look easy because it's like, oh, it's just a ladder. But when you get close to it, the kind of each bit's quite far apart, and you're pulling yourself up, and you have to even use handholds and other stuff. And you clipped on, but you're you got two clips on, but you sometimes have a bit where you might—if you fell off—you wouldn't die, but you might still fall like two meters. And I was just, I was. Terrified the whole time, it was just pure terror, and like our guide who was who was from Catalonia so he couldn't speak English and he couldn't even speak Catalan sorry he couldn't speak uh he could barely speak Spanish he was speaking in Catalan and like uh I had the tourism agency guide with me she was trying to translate, but it was when you're doing something that's scary, like communication's such a big important part of it, like not just clear instructions but also encouraging you and sort of comforting you and he would, we get to one bit we are going to climb and he'd explain it for 10 minutes in Catalan to uh, the Tourism Agency guide. And then he'd look at me and go, "Uh, le- left leg here. I was like, is that it? Like, you talked for 10 minutes before, Is there, there's got to be more to it than just, you know. And so I literally had to sort of think back to any time I've done some, anything scary before on my trips. Um, you know, think about what they always say, like take deep breaths you know and it's it's you think every sports cliche goes through your mind like right take it one step at a time you know like you can go, you can get onto that one all right do that then just do the next one stop trying to think about um how far you've got to go but it was it was like two hours of pure terror because there's no way you could go back down either and so you just i was just stuck in it and had to get through it and then we got to the top and there was the most perfect sunset and the guide was like see wasn't it worth it i was like could have hiked up here and had the same sunset, you know. Um, but we got back to the hostel afterwards, which the uh, the climbing guide ran. And he was like, do you want a beer? And I was like, yeah, big one. And they just said it to me, I was like, right, another. Because <groans styles> I was just,
0: I was shaking. God, wow. And I suppose what your plan now is just to sort of continue this on, doing the intrepid travel. Yeah. You know, sort of five five or six a year. Um, Yeah, so
1: probably more like for a year um um but that's sort of then the main trips i'll do that i'll film for the channel other bits and pieces will come up um but also um one of the other trips i got planned which was supposed to happen august 2020 but we put back a couple of years is so we're going to do it august 22 um me and two friends are gonna do a eastern european road trip so we're gonna go from Tallinn, and estonia all the way down to athens and greece but going through like you know ukraine and uh, just oh well just so many places uh like 12 different countries and we're gonna so each you won't have that long in each country because we're gonna have like six weeks to do it but we hope to have like you know a couple of days in the capital city then a couple of days out in the countryside sort of see t- different sides of each place and when we're in the big cities we're gonna do couch surfing so we can meet the locals and get like a rather than just showing up and just doing a walking tour of a city where they explain what a statue is and stuff like that rather than just sort of yeah. Meet some local Because we don't know anything about this country at all and so um, and I don't think the audience might not know that much about it so there's not too much expectation of like oh you have to see this or do that. They'll just be happy to see what you show them so we'll just hopefully show up these places where we're couch surfing and they'll just show us some cool stuff and we'll just go along
2: with it.
0: I think for people listening and sort of trying to sort of you know couch surfing is such a sort of good way of getting around and Another one was Warm Showers, which I used as a site, which is sort of dedicated towards cyclists touring. I've never heard of that one, no. Have you not? Have you not? No, no. So, sort of, psych, it's geared towards cycle touring. And so, you, wherever you cycle, people are like hosts all over the UK, Europe, America, wherever it was. Yeah, you put people up, and when you go, they put you up. And it's a sort of reciprocal. Yeah, exactly the same, but just sort of geared towards cyclists. So there's always these places uh, which you can always meet the locals, as you say, with couch surfing. Yeah. And the more more of them, the better, really. Yeah. And it's it's something I haven't done before, Um, not for any
1: particular reason why or not, but it's just, you know, I mainly do hostels. Nowadays, I do private rooms of hostels, so I get the best of both worlds, like get the atmosphere, but get a good night's sleep, you know rather than being in a dorm room full of some, you might end up with some teenagers in your room or something like that, which you just, you know, I'm 37 now, so that'd be a bit creepy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, so I've always had people recommend couch surfing to me, just haven't got around to it yet. So, but I think this would be a perfect uh, time to do it in these these countries where, yeah, literally know nothing, you know, know of them, but couldn't tell you anything about them. And so it would be, be exciting.
0: I think it's the snoring in the hostels that gets me. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and it's just, or just Wait, people who just don't know the hostile etiquette yet and come in and turn lights on talking late or just, you know, uh, it's just, there's this all, all the hostile cliches.
0: Like I'm now, for me, it's like, I've earned my stripes. I can just stay in a private room now. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, Carla, it's been absolutely awesome listening to your stories and about all your sort of adventures. There's a part of the show where we ask the same five questions to each guest each week. Okay, Uh, With the first being, on your trips, what's the one gadget that you always bring with you? And you cannot say a camera. (laughs) Um, Well, it used to be
1: my iPod, um, but now it's my iPhone's got everything on. Because before before I had an iPod, when I used to go away, um, I would have a a Discman um, and have like three massive CD watts full of CDs. (laughs) So to have an iPod, which I got for 2006 on my first backpacking trip... Save me so much room um so and then now with the iphone you can put like you know your movies on books whatever so it's because it's like um you know when you go on these big adventures you do have a lot of long journeys and so you know you want to have something to entertain you you know you know people sort of sometimes go oh well i'm not going away to listen to the music or watch movies i'm going away to experience a new culture it's like yeah but in order to get there you got to get a 12-hour bus so you know, bring some entertainment, you know? And you might be waiting for a five-hour train. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that or my battery pack um, as well, like it, I've got this one here, which will only work for people watching the video uh, rather than listen to the audio. But yeah, it's just, it, you, you charge like uh, 20 times off that, um, which can be a lifesaver, because you never know when you're not gonna have a plug and you'll need it, so.
0: Yeah. no, those battery packs are awesome. I have quite a few. Uh, what, what about your favorite adventure or travel book? Um,
1: I have to go with the real cliche one, uh, but it is the beach. Because um, <laughs> I remember I read it, the first time I read it was at the start of my first backpacking trip in 2006. Um, I went to Singapore, then a few weeks in Australia, then a few months in New Zealand, did a in holiday visa, and then I went to Fiji and America on the way home. Um, but... Like my brother bought it for me for Christmas, sort of before I went off on my trip, and then um, you know even though I've seen the film tons, and it's the one everyone sort of it gets overused and over referenced, but it just got you in the adventurous mood, sort of because it's it you start reading it, it's like right, I'm not just gonna try and coast my way through this trip, I want to go and you know explore and you know get into mischief and just see do some fun stuff. So yeah, it's it's a cliche answer, but it's what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very nice. Why why are adventures important to you? Um, For me, it's like it's making the most of, you know, it's going to
1: sound all philosophical here, but making the most of the time you've got on this planet, you know. For me, there's so much to experience in this world and so many fun adventures to have. Um, If you're sort of privileged enough to be able to actually afford to go and experience them, then for me, it's a waste of time not you know I mean I know traveling's not for everyone and stuff and each their own all that kind of stuff but for me it's just it's like that's the ultimate way for me to live my life is just go and have as many as me fill my life with as many amazing experiences as possible um, again rather than just coasting through it and just you know having one day merge into another
0: yeah it's very true yeah I, I, I suppose it's always about making sure that maybe when, when you get to your old age you don't look back in regret
1: yeah, I always say, I always anything in life, just apply the old man in retirement home test, you know? Like, uh, uh, I mean, I don't have uh, a family or kids yet, but I would like it someday, because even though if suddenly I had kids appear out of thin air tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going away to Iceland soon. I've got all this stuff planned. Should be a massive inconvenience, but eventually you know the old man in the home would like to look back and yeah i did have a family one day you know so uh (laughs) but just not yet (laughs) uh what about your favorite quote um (laughs) i could do another one from the beach actually i can do i'll give you a couple there's one from the end of the beach um which i love so much it's like i still believe in paradise but now i know it's not somewhere that you go it's how you feel for a moment in your life if you find that moment it lasts forever um which is so true about traveling. It's like you can be in a, a place that, like, well, I was saying earlier about the Australia outback, you know, we in some of that place you we went to weren't that interesting. Some of it was amazing, um, but we had an amazing group. So it was just one of the best times. Um, and so you can't, you could go to what people can tell you is paradise, might be like, you know, a tropical island somewhere, but you could be bored or miserable. You know, it's it's up to you and the people you're with to make it paradise and the other one i'll do is um get even more geeky i'll use the gandalf one of all you have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given to you um which i think's a fantastic fantastic um quote and stuff and uh i don't have any tattoos but if i did it might be of that
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you say the cliche it's the first time we've heard them on the podcast
1: oh cool all right yeah we'll just cut out a bit where i said it's cliche i said oh, i'm gonna pull one out from a really rare quote <laughs>
0: from unheard of film called the beach and the lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> lord of the rings we've had as the favorite book though many times <laughs>
1: yeah i mean it's it is an adventure book i mean i love one of the i mean it's a bit of a segue but um i love adventure films and so that's one of the things that made me want to make travel films it's like well if you want to make an adventure movie you need a, a cast a crew a script, all these other bits so i was like well why don't i just go on an adventure and film that and that's sort of part of the reason why i make longer films and have sort of more epic music than just tropical house is sort of if i want to it's my adventure movie you know <laughs> yeah
0: and definitely something to look back as you say in your old age um, yeah, yeah yeah you can look you back, back to videos, remember it you? so I'll just click it and watch <laughs> it <laughs> Not quite on the VHSs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, luckily they are digitized. So
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, people listening are always keen to travel and go on these sort of grand adventures. Uh, what would you recommend for people wanting to get started? Um, I think there's uh, a lot of people for their first time backpacking
1: adventure. The popular places are like Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Vietnam and um because it's such a well-oiled machine for backpacking, it's so easy to travel around and it's cheap. Or people often do Australia and or New Zealand and do a work holiday visa because things like Australia and New Zealand, again, it's so easy to travel around, but you can kind of learn the ropes of traveling, like staying in hostels, getting from A to B, um, doing new activities, making new friends, but there's no cultural barrier to get over, you know, and they speak the same language and things like that. So it's sort of... You know, learn that bit of traveling first and then, you know, chuck in the other challenges as well. So that's that's a, one reason why it's a popular one. But also, if you're really unsure um, what to do, then you can book yourself on a tour, whether it be with Intrepid or G Adventures or Contiki or Busabout, because um, they just sort everything for you and it's sort of, it can be a good way. I mean, tours are for all people of all ages and stuff, but they are a good way for a first-time traveler as well just to ease themselves into the experience and then you know often you know I, I I backpacked around india for like six weeks by myself for 2016 but i met some people who were on a tour and then they had a tour for two weeks and then they kept traveling for a few more so they just used the tour to get used to india and traveling around and then literally with friends they made on the tour then carried on traveling with them so that's another another sort of nice way to ease yourself into it Um, because if you dive right in the deep end i mean some people like to do that but you might end up just getting freaked out and then you'll just go home um uh whilst you ease yourself into it um then it's yeah it's not such a big shock to the system
0: very good there you go what's stopping you (laughs) um finally what are you doing now and how can people find you and follow you on your future adventures so um the next series I'll have
1: on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel's just called Carl Watson Travel Documentaries. Just tell it like it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so just search Carl Watson, Carl with a K, and it'll come up. Um, and it's Carl Watson Docs on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, the next film that'll be out would be the trip I did this summer through Switzerland, Italy, and Croatia. Um, that probably won't be out till late October because I'm busy editing it right now. Um, in between doing freelance jobs, and then I've got my next tour coming up in iceland um which starts on well i fly out on the first of october um so that'll probably be out by out by christmas but i'm about to get myself in like a very good problem that i haven't had for a while which is having like a backlog of trips to edit um which is sort of after 18 months of scrounging around trying to find something to edit for the youtube channel it's a it's a nice problem to have again let's hope it all continues <laughs> yeah yeah i hope so yeah i mean you know we're not fully out in the woods yet so i don't want to celebrate too early but it's starting to look up anyway
0: No, well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Cheers, John. That has been good fun. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been great listening to your adventures and uh, I look forward to seeing these Croatia, Switzerland come out in the future. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how the video turns out as well. (laughs) Well, thank you. Cheers buddy. Thank you for listening. You can watch the podcast on YouTube now, and don't forget to subscribe and sign up to the monthly newsletter, which is in the description below. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did tag me on Instagram at John Horsfall, I'm always keen to connect with other adventurers. And I look forward to next week for another fascinating tale of adventure. But till then, have a great
2: day and happy adventures.